Welcome to the HEAL podcast for all things related to Lyme disease and other chronic illnesses. I'm Mimi McLean, Mama 5, founder of Lyme 360 and a Lyme warrior. Tune in each week to hear from doctors, health practitioners, and experts to hear about their treatments, struggles, and triumphs to help you on your healing journey. I'm here to heal with you. Welcome back to the HEAL podcast. This is Mimi, and today we have Dr. Jaban Moore. Thank you so much for joining today. I'm so excited to be able to talk to you about your Lyme journey because you had Lyme yourself and how you're using that in your practice today. So welcome. Well, thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to talk about this. I love spreading any information I can as much as I can because this was such a long, grueling journey for me and it wasn't near as long as some of the clients I've worked with. So if I can give somebody help, that's the goal every day. You were already practicing, right? And then you got Lyme or was it? No. So my journey kind of goes back and it's a little gray because like many Lyme people, they they don't know exactly when it happened. I know in high school, I was gaining strength and I was getting more fit. I was becoming more athletic, like just like crazy. And then all of a sudden it stopped and my strength levels just plateaued and that was it. And I'm like, ah, you know, did I just reach my peak? going right into college at 18, 19, or maybe did Lyme hit at that point? Because about 25 is when it really hit me hard. And it was after I lost all of my college mass. I put on 70 pounds in college on purpose, which is a battle of its own, losing all the weight. But about 25, my joints started aching. My brain started becoming a little more foggy, a little bit more fatigued. I wasn't jumping out of bed anymore. But the big thing was, is I started to develop erectile dysfunction at 25 years old. And even to this day, it's still hard for me to say that because as, as a male, we don't, we don't want to talk mm-hmm. about that. We don't want to talk about testosterone crashing. So that's when I really started to take note was about 25. And it was after I'd lost weight, started eating the healthiest I'd ever ate, working out instead of as an athlete, super hard working out, just, you know, just to maintain health. So I should have been feeling the best I've ever felt. And I was starting to feel like my body was going to fail me. Hmm. And then how did you figure out you had Lyme? So like most, no matter who you talk to the first time, it doesn't seem like anyone ever suggests Lyme on day one, right? So I was in chiropractic school by the time that I started having these symptoms. So I initially went even on a more natural route, but chiropractors weren't giving me a lot of answers. You know, it wasn't something that you can adjust out. I was getting all the structural therapies. I was getting the diet advice. I went to functional medicine doctors before I even went to mainstream doctors. And they were talking about blood sugar and blood pressure, working on getting my heart healthier, making sure that the arginine or the nitric oxide in my body was healthy and functioning. And and they just kept doing more and more of those things and nothing was working. So I went and talked to some mainstream doctors, you know, more of your general medical doctor, nurse practitioner style, no answers. I was sitting at a conference that was a integrative conference. And at this conference, it was the Dabsey conference. So it's taught here in Kansas City and and many other places. And and I was sitting there and somebody goes, well, as I was telling my story, somebody go, have you ever thought about Lyme disease? And they said, I said, no, I haven't. I know what it is. Like I've heard of it, but I don't know much about it. And they go, well, maybe that's it. And I said, well, what do you know? Can you help me? Because it's all doctors sitting there. And they're like, no, I don't really know a lot about it, but you can look into it. And I was just like, great. 
And even at Dabsy, they teach some online disease, but it wasn't a main point. It wasn't something that they specialized in. So long story short is I ended up going to Wisconsin on my journey to see Dr. Alan Lindsley. And he had been through Lyme. His, his dad had died from what he would consider brain fog from Lyme. He was a farmer. He was working under the tractor and an accident happened. So it's become his passion and we're still friends to this day, but he was able to give me some help using some of his tinctures. And from there I could start seeing my body turning back on. And it was a journey over the next couple of years because I went into practice. And although I started with his tinctures for Lyme and Babesia, I found that metal was a part of my journey mm-hmm. and blood sugar mitochondrial dysfunctions were a part of my journey. So there, there's many pieces to the puzzle that I had to learn to help others. And then as I, I was working with clients trying to figure out and help them, I go, oh man, I need to do this for myself too. Wow. So do you only treat Lyme patients? Well, I mean, when I was in practice there at the very beginning, Dr. Lindsley referred a few clients to me like the day I walked into practice, which was amazing and scary. Trial by fire, Lyme patients day one, right? And I started trying to build my practice, honestly, trying to help anybody I could because, well, when you walk out and start your own practice, you'll take whoever walks up to your door. Nowadays, I really only do chronic illness. Now that may be Lyme, parasite, chronic virus, mold, but it's chronic illness. And, and that's a hundred percent of my practice. At this point, I'm even training three doctors in my clinic to take the overflow because right now there are just more people that are sick than that are trained to help. Yeah. Them. It's terrible. So if someone comes into your practice now and you know they know they have Lyme, they've had it for a long time and you're probably not the first doctor they come to. They're probably like the 10th or whatever. What do you do right off the bat? So right off the bat, I just sit and listen to them because mm-hmm. if you can give a line person 20 minutes to just talk, you're going to get a great amount of information that's going to lead you in a direction. So long case history, and then we're moving into their assessments that they fill out for me. And the assessments are every question you can think of, probably 200 plus questions on how every organ system works. So their digestion, their breathing, their heart because this is all telling me about how they work because Lyme itself, as in Borrelia, the bacteria, doesn't typically lead by itself to as many breathing issues, I don't find. And I don't think that it leads to as many heart issues by itself. Now it's co-infections definitely do. So as I start listening to all of these symptoms, it's telling me infections, like for instance, got a lot of trouble breathing. I'm thinking, well, we might have something like mold, babesia, strongyloides, Heart symptoms are going to be more on that Babesia strongyloides also, but heart can even be from a electrolyte imbalance. So do we have some sort of adrenal issue causing electrolyte imbalances? So all of these pieces help to add in. And then once I get all that information, I'm ordering tests after my first initial appointment. I do love an organic acid test. I love blood tests, hair tissue mineral analysis tests. Those are probably my first three kinds of testing that I would run on somebody. And from there, I mean, if the history needs it, we'll do mold testing or metal testing. So with Lyme, anything's possible, right? Mm-hmm. And so going back to your story, besides the tinctures, what, what else did you do to get better? You said you had heavy metals or you had mold? I had heavy metals and I didn't even know it. So for me, it was 
take all the tinctures. And that gave me probably 50 to 70% of my health back. And I thought I was doing well. I thought I was good because compared to where I was, I was great. Mm -hmm. But then I went to a conference and somebody said, you need to start fasting. Uh, It's a great healing tool. And I, whatever, I don't need to fast. I don't want to fast. I was a bodybuilder background. Let's eat every two to three hours. Well, I fasted. And as soon as I fasted, I rashed across my face, under my armpits, across my chest. And this was coming from a guy who used to eat every two to three hours, so much so that I had clients that would actually bring me food to their appointments because they were used to me being hungry during those periods of time. So I would get brain fog. I would get shaky if I wouldn't eat very often. So I had some blood sugar issues. Now that still doesn't mean you should rash up. So then after fasting, I was like, what is this? So then I, I how long was your fast? That fast was only like 18 hours. That's it. And you got a rash from that. That, yeah, that's how bad my blood sugar was. That's how bad my mitochondria were. So it started dumping toxins out, which I use fasting all the time now for getting people's bodies turned on and moving forward. I even use fasting for my most sensitive people at the very, very, very start now. So like if you say I'm mass cell, I've tried everything, I can't get started, use a little fasting. I had a woman in Finland recently who has tried everything, couldn't take a quarter capsule of any supplement that we tried. I had her fast, which she was more than willing to try because she went three days for me after building up. And then she was able to get to two pills of three of the things I asked her to. And I mean, this was just literally last month. So I'm hoping now after another month and another longer fast, we're going to actually be able to start a protocol. And she's been sick for like a decade. But what happened to her that she can't take it? She just gets sick or what happened? She, yeah. So people with mast cell, they're going to have reactions. So it can be anything from headaches to body pain. Hers is like a fibromyalgia fit. So everything just starts hurting in her entire body, which she already is in pain always, but then it just flares up so much. She can't hardly move. So is that, is that a symptom of of mast cell? It can be. Yeah. So maybe that's what's wrong with me because it's funny because I think my Lyme has triggered mast cell. So I get massive hives and I keep taking the mast cell like tests and it keeps coming back negative, but I'm like, where would I get, I get hives when I'm cold Mm. or like stressed or something like that. But I have just been lately, like, just no matter, like, anytime I eat or do anything, I get, I just feel like my entire body is like in pain. Like, I can't even straighten my arm any, like, right now. Like, mm. it doesn't straighten out. So it's like, it's weird because I'm like, is it mast cell? Like, what is it? But anyway, so that's what's made me think of that when you said that. Well, for you, I mean, hives one, I've, I've seen hives a lot with cold and food, which tends to be a histamine type reaction for a lot of people. Mm-hmm. And Lyme or mold or parasites are going to trigger mast cell. So just stress in your body can trigger it. So then what you have to do is you have to decrease stress. And that's why I was using fasting for this woman, because the lack of food makes the body rest. There's studies that show after about 72 hours that the immune system will reset itself. Wow. So the same day that that Finland woman had a positive result. It just happened to be that I had another woman do a nine day fast and she didn't have mast cell, but she was just in misery. She's a poor detoxer. And no matter what protocol we've done, it's 10 times harder for her than a lot of others. So with her, I have to use every detox thing we can do to include coffee enemas, saunas, dry brushing, 
castor oil pack, mass doses of supplements, and it still wasn't quite enough to go after strongyloides. So then I said, all right, let's try fasting. She did a fast and then just barreled right through the, the start point of strongyloides and got to the other side. And now she's like, she was like a nine or 10 on every symptom. So from fatigue to pain, to brain fog, to anxiety. And then now afterward using fasting to get through it. Cause before she couldn't, now she's like a four or five on everything. We're not healed. We're not done. Just implementing all of these tools that I just mentioned for her is what is allowing me to take sensitive people or people like yourself that are like, you know, I can't straighten my arm. I have a hard time. It's hard to treat and getting you past that, that hurts that stops everything. So wait, how long did she go for without eating? <laughs> Nine days. Wait, how is that possible? All right. So the longest fast that has been researched and documented is 382 days. What? Now that person was like 440 pounds. So that's not something that just anybody can do, but three, five, seven day fasts, most people can do it. Now you can't do it if your liver is too weak. So if your lactate dehydrogenase is too high, don't start trying to fast. If you can't get into ketosis, don't start trying to fast. But like I've taken people who are technically underweight, done a short three-day fast, which I know that sounds like a long time, but a short three-day fast, it broke the immune cycle. Then they could eat and then they gained weight because they also have a hormone spike. So your human growth hormone will spike. It will go up after a five-day fast. And, and some studies show up to 2,000%. So you start trying to heal. You start producing stem cells. So even for people that are lighter, sometimes I'll push it. And again, I'm going to look at your blood work. I'm going to make sure you're healthy and strong, not just throw everybody into it, but it's a tool. But how do you physically, like I like this morning, I was like, okay, I'm going to go today. I went for like 16 hours with that. But I was like, today I'm going to use like a cleanse day because I need it. My body hurts so much. Like maybe that's what I need to do. I can't do it. Like, how do they not eat? Like, how do you get past that? So you're seeing me here on video and those that are going to see us on Instagram can, I got this handy dandy water bottle filled with minerals. That's your first step. Mm -hmm. So I put minerals in my water when I'm fasting. I'm not currently fasting right now, but I just got back from a hiking vacation. I had to clear my mind and, and reconnect with just, you know, I was standing at the top of a mountain thinking how to help people and, and minerals is key for fasting. So I went on a five mile hike up a mountain on a 24 hour fast. I love to fast and hike and I'm fine. I'm a 200 pound guy and it's about minerals because I have body fat and your body will tear down that body fat and make energy. It will tear down your bad tissue. So it'll make get protein from muscle tissue that's being broken down. You have plenty of that, even if you are slightly underweight. Now, again, there are I keep saying there are exceptions to this rule because I don't yeah. want anyone out there to just jump on it. But looking at you, you, you look like you would be able to fast. So then get your minerals in so that you can make sure that you're not hungry because you're urinating minerals out. As a person yeah. with Lyme, your body is an adrenal state where you're probably overproducing a little bit of aldosterone that causes mineral wasting. So you just dump minerals out. So that extra mineral help. And then from there, you have to build up. You can't go from 16 hours to 24 to, to three days for a lot of people. You got to build. It took me a few months to build from that 18 hour fast that detoxed me to I did a three day dry fast, which means no water, no minerals, no food. But most people I put into their fast initially, like with you, I'd say start bone broth. 
put mm-hmm. some MCT oil in your coffee or in your tea. Drink, literally drink sea salt water. So get a quality Celtic sea salt water, drink it, and then stay busy. Right. The worst yes. thing you can do is, is sit still. Stay right by the kitchen. Well, it's so funny. I had last week, I had another podcast and it was a medical intuitive. His name's Arno, and he did a session for me and his, he said, your minerals are low. Mm-hmm. He put me on, that was one of my, my things, my takeaways, which I thought was interesting. So anyway, okay. So can you talk a little bit about your kinesiology? Like do you use so like your chiropractic work to treat patients? Yeah. So I do some muscle testing, which is mm-hmm. kinesiology, applied kinesiology. I use a technique actually called CPK developed by Milton Dowdy. He combined several types of kinesiology together, which allows us to find priority systems. So that means when I'm working with a client, it's not just, well, I know you have Lyme parasites, viruses, other bacteria, metal and mold, right? So you've got all of these things and somebody's going to be like, well, because of their experience, they're going to start with mold. Well, that may or may not be the right answer. Dr. Dietrich Klinghart actually did some studies on this where he uses his technique, his muscle testing technique. But what he found was you can chelate somebody no metal comes out and then you can do whatever their priority is. And then if they had the metal, metal is going to come out on its own at times, just because you, you peel the onion in the proper way. So that's what I've found too, is it's not necessarily that I'm doing things better than other people with the tinctures I'm using. I've had clients come to me that have taken the exact same tinctures from somebody else, but then I go in a different order with a different dosage amount and then it works. So I'm using muscle testing to help peel back your layers in the proper order so that it allows for your body to heal the way it needed to because the order matters more than just about anything else that I've seen. Interesting. And then how do you do the um, muscle testing if you're doing online or virtual meetings? Instead of calling it muscle testing, we just call it an energetic test. So I'll use surrogate testing or muscle test myself. And that would be enough to feel it the difference. Oh, that's interesting. What percentage of your clients are online versus in person? Since COVID, I went from about 70% virtual to now about 99% virtual. Oh, wow. So interesting. I've still got a few people that are in the area that'll come in, but I mean, shoot, I talk to people that are five miles from me that just call in. Yeah. Cause especially with COVID. Okay. So I know you love talking about, I've seen it on your Instagram page about the EMF. Can you shed some light about that? I think for me, I, I'm definitely aware of what you know it is and what's not good for you, especially the 5G. But putting that into practice in real life, like with your phone and like with my kids, and what do you recommend to your patients or clients for you know reducing EMF? Yeah, so just start simple. Turn your phone to airplane mode at night. The alarm will still go off. Just make sure you have it set. I do it every single night for myself. If you want to take it another step further, turn off your Wi-Fi box at night. You can even put a program on where it'll shut itself off, like that the plug-in, uh, if you want to do that sort of thing. And those are two easy ways. Because what we have seen that is measurable is cell phones, the EMFs coming off of phones and off of computers, off of Wi-Fis, will irritate molds. So then you have more mold issue if you have all this Wi-Fi around you. But even besides that, as a muscle tester, I will simply lay a cell phone on a muscle. And if that person is a little bit EMF sensitive, that muscle will go weak very easily. I've taken big, strong bodybuilders where you know I can't out push them, put it on their quad, and the quad just goes limp. 
And then really, I mean, it doesn't take much. You just push it right on down. They're like, wait a minute. And they'll fight with me, you know, like athletes, football players. And then I'm like, see, stop putting this on your body when you're playing or when you're warming up, when you're lifting weights, because it is taking away from you. Now, that's one piece of it. Now, some other things are that you've seen studies out there from just 4G. Now, 5G is an exponential level stronger, but 4G mutated lots of different proteins in the body, just creating another dysfunction in the body, which is leading to more genetic SNPs and more stress. So it's just another level of stress on the system. I, I add EMF to the molds and the metals and the plastics and everything else in our environment. And if you can easily remove that by turning it off, that's one more step that somebody who's chronically ill can take that's not expensive and not difficult which is awfully nice in the medical world we live in right now, where some of the steps are very difficult. I mean, getting mm -hmm. some of the medications, supplements, care can be greatly expensive. So anytime I can tell somebody to fast, turn off your EMF, clean out your vents, these are easy things that, that can be done that can be massively effective for healing. Mm -hmm. No, it's very true. With your phone though, what else can you do? Like, is there... Do these things work like when you buy the things for the back of the phone or the thing, you know, the little device that you plug in? Or I heard someone like you also, if you go out after you use your phone, you can go outside and put your feet on the ground and recalibrate. Like, do any of those work or is that kind of. So I have seen the little dots on the back of your phone. I mean, I'm sure not all of them are, are working, but I have used some of those to use for muscle testing and putting that in between a person's body has helped. Putting your feet on the ground, so grounding, which helps the exchange of negative ions, does help. So I've, I've actually done some muscle tests because I was just curious. I went outside and like, if you put your feet on the ground, is this going to help change it? And it has, there's even like grounding mats or grounding bracelets that I've seen people wear when they're in practice. Because when your hands are on people all day, exchanging those ions can wear you out. So I have seen some of those things work. Other technology out there, there, there's the machines that are putting out different wavelengths into your house. Have you seen those, the plug-in ones? Yes. That's a, I just, I had an email about that yesterday. So I was like, well, does that, you know, for $300, you can plug in this little machine. You're like, is it worth it? Or is that just another? So what I've seen it is I've seen it make some clients feel better, but I haven't seen it affect mold versus EMF. So if you're a mold sensitive person, that's not going to stop or protect the mold from what I've seen for you, for your body. I have seen it change the wavelength to where maybe your body accepts it better. I'll be honest. I don't have the exact understanding of the science yet. I, I was at a conference this past year before COVID hit and there was a guy there on scalar waves. And that's what a lot of that technology is. And uh, the quantum physics was quite deep and I'd love to spend more time with those guys. But basically what they were saying is, the wavelengths that they're trying to put off with these machines, when it hits an EMF wave, instead of blocking Wi-Fi, it just makes it more acceptable for the body. So it kind of causes it to, to change or the wavelength a little bit. And that wavelength mm -hmm. is less harmful to a human body is the mm -hmm. best that I could explain it, not being a quantum physicist. Right. And now you keep mentioning mold. What, what do you usually do to treat somebody who has mold? So mold, step one, get out of it. You're not mm -hmm. going to heal while you're in mold. And, and that's just that. So I've got people that are like, well, I can't leave. I can't move. You've, you've got to do the best you can to get out of it. Step two, once you're out of it, to me, that then becomes more of another toxin in your body. And 
I have to prioritize it along with everything else that we're talking about. So whether that be the, the Lyme or parasites or otherwise, but mold is immunosuppressive. So as long as it's in your body, it's allowing everything else to survive and run rampant. So if you have Lyme and you can't get well, maybe you should at least double check if mold's there. There's some great testing. Great Plains Laboratory has one. And if you want to test your home, Ermi's another one. But my favorite product actually isn't even on the market yet. I'm testing it out for them, but I just heard they got the labels in. It's from Cellcor. It's called Carboxy. The first time I ever took Carboxy, I literally smelled mold in my nose for a week. And I don't even have a, a major mold situation going on in my life. But this stuff sucked out, I'm guessing, so much mold that, that I could smell mold for the week. And I've used it with clients who have had major mold issues, even still living in mold, and they swear by it. One story I've got for you, and it's incredible. I had a girl that I've been working with. When she was 11 years old, she started to develop OCD, some anxiety, some body pain, fatigue at 11. She's now 26. She moved home from California to her parents' home in Florida and moved into the same room she got sick in. And we were starting to wonder, is this a psychological situation? Is this mold? So I said, can you just run a mold test on mold? Got her out of there, got a sample of carboxy down to her. And within a few weeks, I'm talking 15 years, this girl's been sick. Within a few weeks, we're from like a nine ten to a two or a three on most of her symptoms. Wow. She's now able to live her life versus being miserable and it's because we found and got rid of mold out of her body and got her out of the moldy situation. What test did you use for mold in her house? So we used an ERMI in her home and then we used the Great Plains Laboratory to find it in her body. And, and the thing about the Great Plains Laboratory test is you can run it two different ways. Same test, but you can run it where you do no provocation. So we don't give you any glutathione, nothing. You take it. This is more telling you if your body is dealing with it right now. So is it coming in currently? Hers was yes. The other way you can do it is if it would have been a no because she was living somewhere else or something, you could have done it with a, a provocation and seen if it was in there from her past or history living in that room. And, you know, we didn't have to do that because she was living it now. But those are the two ways you can do it for somebody who has a curiosity about mold. Yes. Do you typically give a particular product for somebody who has Lyme to like fight off the Lyme or is that kind of like the last resort? Because some doctors I've talked to, they're like, no, no, we're going to do the mold first. We're going to do the heavy metals. And then the, the Lyme will come on its own because your body will be able to like deal with it at that point. So if, or, like I was saying earlier, you know, I, I definitely muscle test and I go through looking at all your information, but about 70% of the people, once you're out of a bad situation, whatever that may be, mold, metal water, radiation. So radon in your homes, like you've got to get away from the things that are keeping you sick. Once we're out of that, step two would be parasites mm -hmm. because Lyme is a single cellular organism that can live inside of a parasite. Parasites oftentimes get in your liver, gallbladder, and digestive tract. And if you're looking at the detox funnel, You've got to get those organs, the colon, the liver, the gallbladder moving before you can get anything else out. So for me, I'm going to go after the parasites and I see lots of pictures of parasites. I've seen more different kinds of parasites. And you know what? Just for fun, I have seen all the different kinds of worms come out, whether they're uh, thin little ones or several feet long or little seed-like organisms. But if you're seeing tomato skins in your stool, 
when you're detoxing, think about flukes. Cause that's what you're probably seeing, especially if you're not eating tomatoes. Yeah. I remember the first time I ever saw it at a gallbladder flush. I was like, I haven't eaten 24 hours. It's not tomato season. Where is this coming from? And then lots of little stones came out with a gallbladder flush, but getting the parasites out, unclogging everything. Right. Yeah. So then when you do decide to go after mold or metal or lime, whatever else you're going to go after, you can actually get it out because you don't, the last thing you want to do is start a flush from whatever you're doing, whether it's metal mold, you know, bacteria are going to be releasing yeah. pneumonia as they're dying. The last thing you want to do is start a flush and then it just get bound up because your liver is congested. And then now you're herxing, you're in pain, your adrenals are fatiguing out, your mitochondria are getting flooded with toxins because your cells are overflowing with toxicity. And now instead of moving forward, you're moving backwards. And, you know, my drainage funnel, just put simply is colon's the first thing you got to make sure to clear up. And then you're moving up to liver, gallbladder, then into the lymph and then to the cells of the body. Once you get through the cells of the body, then we can get into the brain. Moving from the brain, I think even smaller into the mitochondria. And that's how you're going to get well if you, you go up the funnel that way, because you're going from basically big to small and allowing for the body to heal and clean out in a way in which is not going to trigger further reactions. Now, again, that's 70% of the time. There is always an exception to that rule for somebody out there. I have started with Lyme before. I have started with mold before. It just depends on your unique situation. Mm-hmm. And then with coffee enemas, how often do you usually suggest people a couple of times a week? You know, that's, that's another one of those individual situations, but I'd say my mm-hmm. average person is about twice a week. I just had one parent cause I work with a lot of kids and she was doing an enema every single day to get the kid to go. And if she does an enema, he doesn't go and he'll go four or five, six days without going. So I actually told her, I was like, you know, our goal for her is to, Stop doing so many enemas. Well, can she just do supplements instead? That's what we're going to be working toward to see if we can. Yeah, because yeah. enemas are a great tool, but they do yeah. strip you of minerals. They do upset the bacterial flora of the digestive tract. And at some point, it's definitely worth doing that, but it can't be a forever thing. Mm-hmm. She's already been doing it for six months to keep the kid moving. I'm like, okay, we've got to start transitioning away from that. But coffee enemas twice a week when we're really starting to get you going, but even in the natural realm, and this is what so many people I think don't quite understand is if it has a therapeutic effect, there is going to be a toxic or negative effect at some point. You can overdo anything that's going to be therapeutic, whether it's an essential oil, a supplement, a therapy, you can overdo something. Mm -hmm. Do you use essential oils too? I do some, but not necessarily for like a Lyme protocol, more of a supportive protocol for what's going on in your body. So, I mean, if you have yeast, I'll use some oregano. If you have some fungus on the outside of your skin, some tea tree oil. I do love to put lavender with Cellcor's biomolecular oxygen, or I guess hydroxygen is, is what it'd be called now, because that can help with rashes like eczema that are going to come up with people who have parasites. So anytime you have skin situation, I'm thinking parasites. So I'm like, cover that with the oxygen and the lavender and it helps to calm it while we're going through the healing process. Mm-hmm. Now, do you ever look at their genetics or the MTHFR gene? I do some, you know, it gives me a direction to begin with, but 
it, it's not my favorite thing. And there are probably people out there better at reading it than I am. I have taken yeah. some training in it. But what I found is there are tests from companies that have a thousand genes and there are hypermethylators and they are undermethylator genes. And they so often overlap each other. So if I'm looking at a genetic test, which I usually don't order myself, whatever that test tells me, then I go and order the blood test that would tell me whether or not that's actually happening. So if you tell me you are a poor methylator, I'm going to look at your methylation genes. I'm also going to run your homocysteine and your B vitamin absorptions to make sure that you are what that gene says you are. Because so many times I get someone in that's been given tons of B vitamins, told that they don't methylate well. Mm-hmm. It didn't work because the, the, they were told that that was going to be the solution. And then we stop, they stop that B vitamin. They gave it up. They, it's been three or four months. Then we run homocysteine. I'm like, you're perfect. Like your homocysteine is not the problem. So methylation for you might not be the problem that we need to deal with. So I'm very targeted with what I do. More often than not, people come to me and they're on this long list of supplements. I'm like, hey, all those things are probably good for you, but most of us don't have great digestive tracts. And I want to be pinpoint with how I want to get you well. Instead of having you on 20 things, let's get three or four things to start that I know how they're going to work and I have an expectation so they can get you well. Also, it is overwhelming to take 20 supplements a day. I'm that person. I'm like, and then what happens is you go to a couple different doctors and everyone has a different protocol. So then I'm like doing three different doctors <laughs> protocols. That's like my situation right now. And I'm like, and then I still don't feel well. Oh, anyway, I'm sure everyone has the same situation I do. How often, like when people come to you, how often until they feel better? Oh, like I said, I only treat chronic illness. So I say we usually see some change after about our third protocol. Now that can be very different how long it takes to get there. Third protocol for somebody that doesn't have a mast cell or a highly reactive system is about three months. For somebody that's highly reactive, it could be six months before we get through a third protocol. And for those who are extremely reactive, I've got a guy who just finished his third protocol after two years. Oh, wow. Mind you, he came in on a walker at 30 years old and had lost 60 pounds. He'd already been dealing with this for seven or eight years had been through multiple major clinics and I won't put those names out there, but major, major clinics that had seen him and and diagnosed him with all kinds of different things like B vitamin toxicities. And then I looked at his blood under a microscope and just saw more bacteria than I saw red blood cells. I'm like, okay, so you've got something different going on. It's funny though. His, his uncle was a chiropractic client of mine. He goes, my nephew, I'm going to pay for him to have an appointment with you. He's got some neuropathy. He comes in and neuropathy doesn't explain what he had going on. No, you're like, that was beyond. That was one of the hundred things you had. (laughs) He had lightning bolt headaches. I mean, it was incredible. But now, two years later, the guy's back to work full time. He still has some some issues going on, but you know, he can walk, he can breathe, he can talk, he can clean his house, he can go out to dinner with his wife, who, by the way, had MS and now can raise her drop foot that she hasn't been able to raise for years. Wow. Do you think she really has MS or was it just Lyme? Well, what is MS? Well, that's from, yeah. You know, MS has been tied to nematode parasites and to spirochete bacteria both. And, and whether it's MS or lupus or any autoimmune disease, those are all just names for a body's reaction that we don't understand why it's happening. 
So I'm never going to tell somebody I'm going to cure them from anything, but I've definitely seen people have where their MS can either go into remission or they start regaining strength or at least that they stop. But I've seen a lot of people regain where they're numb on their whole left side. And now they're like, I can feel, I can, I can move, I can write again, or, or at least I can react. And sometimes it's not so much fun because they go from numb back to tingle, then back to normal. So it's like that transition, like, Hey, hold on, we're, we're working. And fasting has been incredible for that. Cause with autoimmune patients, one of the tools that I give them on our parting days, I'm like, Hey, so as a free, cheap thing that you can do the rest of your life, to keep your immune system from attacking you every quarter, do a three to five day fast. And I've got lots of clients who I see quarterly and I'm like, have you done your fast yet? No. You start to feel that ache coming back. And they're like, yeah, I'm starting to feel it a little bit. And then they'll fast and the ache will go away and they'll last another three months with no more RA symptoms. That's amazing. And so you do live blood analysis too? I did. <laughs> it's been frowned upon by CLIA, which is a governing body. And they came in and said that they changed the way that they're looking at it and that we are no longer allowed to do live blood cell analysis in my state. Oh, that's too bad. So are you back to like hundred percent? As far as I can tell, yeah, I, I do CrossFit. I'm getting ready to go to a mud run next weekend. So yeah, I'm living and loving life. And, and I do a protocol maybe every six months just as a preventative and otherwise just eat an organic paleo diet six days a week. And I will tell all of my clients, I don't need you to be perfect. I just need you to be good. And I say this out loud because I want people to know you don't have to be perfect once you've crossed that journey. Um, on my vacation this weekend, I definitely had a giant tray of nachos and enjoyed every bite of it. And then today I'm back and I've had my paleo protein bar, had my eggs, and tonight I'll be eating my organic steak with my broccoli. So I don't always eat bad, just every now and then. It sounds like for anyone who's listening, who don't have the means to go to a doctor at this point, you've mentioned a couple of things, right? Your diet, the intermittent fasting, yeah. cleaning up like the EMF, you know, also just getting the toxins out of your life as far as like pesticides, your food. Is there anything else that they can do from home to help them get in the right direction until they can get in position to get professional help. Yeah. You know, I'm developing actually that content for free on my Facebook group and we've released, I think six weeks of 10 so far. So I'm putting that out there. So if you, you don't catch all of it right now, you can go there and look and basically it's get away from whatever toxins you have, start trying to optimize your mitochondria by building up your body through fasting good diet. Keto diet has been incredibly helpful for so many people and will continue to be probably one of my favorite diets for people that are dealing with chronic illness. It's not perfect for everyone. It's not a lifestyle that I promote forever, but it is probably my favorite diet to get people moving in the right direction. The next thing that I would say is you've really got to just make sure you're sleeping enough and getting yourself the proper positive vibes, positive energy. So with healing, more often than not, what I see is I see people 
that are really struggling to get well, even though they have the money, the doctors, everything else, and they have a really hard time getting well because they don't believe they're going to get well. The power of the mind is a must. You must know that you're going to get well. You must know and have the positive energy to get well. I know it sounds like something that that you only hear in natural medicine, but I never was a guy to talk about things like that. I was just a push forward kind of go person. But the people that seem to get well are the ones that they have a goal. They have a why. Mm-hmm. And they know what that why is. It's their kids. It's their it's their family. And they're absolutely going to find a way to get well. Mm-hmm. And not feel like... I've talked to some people where they're just angry and they're kind of in that stage of like... Not that they don't want to get well. They want to get well, but they're just mad. They're mad. They feel like they're a victim. Like, why did this happen to me? Why? you know? And I usually just kind of get caught in that cycle where, like you said, which is totally true. Just the emotional mindset and getting positive and letting go, right? Of the past, the things that make you mad. Yeah. And just looking at this as a journey, you know, nobody wants to be sick. Nobody wants to have to go through this, but I can tell you that people that get to the other side, their appreciation for life, their whole life goals have changed. I have one woman who's incredible, the joy warrior. She calls herself. She even wrote a book. She was a workaholic and Although she was probably an amazing person before, now afterward, she enjoys her kids and her husband and every single day and lives it up to the most. And you can just feel her energy when she walks into your office because she still comes in to check in. And it's just different once you've been through these health Mm -hmm. battles, you know, you appreciate each day. No, it's totally true. This has been amazing. And I want everyone to go. You do a great job on social media. You have a big following. Is Instagram pretty much your your main platform? Or you also said the Facebook group. But so your Instagram is um, Dr. Dr. And then Jabin Moore, J-A-B-A-N-M-O-O-R-E. And you have a great website too. And then you have your Facebook group. Yep. My Facebook group's True Healing Strategies. My Facebook page is Dr. Jabin Moore. So you can find it through there. Uh, we're always just trying to put out content. And like I said, I was training three doctors and some of the requirements I have, I'm like, you guys got to get out there and answer questions, put content out. Because although I try to do as much as I can, I'm not going to be the doctor for every single person out there because my story is going to be different than the next. You know, the, the doctors I'm training have got their own stories, whether it be fertility or one was food allergies that brought her to the the table for learning to how to get people well. I'm like, we just have to get information out there because I'm going to say it one way, you're going to say it another and whatever clicks for that person to get well is what we need to do. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Well, this has been amazing. I really appreciate your time and I will definitely keep following you on social media. Thank you so much for joining us. Thanks for having me. Each week, I will bring you different voices from the wellness community so that they can share how they help their clients heal. You will come away with tips and strategies to help you get your life back. Thank you so much for coming on and I'm so happy you are here. Subscribe now and tune in next week. You can also join our community at Lime360 Warriors on Facebook and let's heal together. Thank you.